Welcome to Monster Mash. For as long as 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons has been around, many a monster has come into contact with adventurers. Adventurers have emerged victorious more often than not, but that isn't always the case. We're here to find out what monster is the deadliest. The three of us have each picked monsters from all available content, plus some special extras from time to time that we will place head to head to head each episode to find out who stands on top of the pile. These three monsters will be judged on tactics, terrain, fear factor, and their creature feature. The thing that makes it a unique and threatening encounter. But ultimately, the only thing that will matter is who comes out on top in our specially designed arena. Welcome to this episode of Monster Mash. The theme today is First Encounters. I know it's a little weird to do that as the second episode, but here we are. Hey. Yeah. So, I am Jack Blythe, your wonderful host, executive producer, person who thought up the idea of this show. Uh... Everyone else introduce yourself. You know you know the drill. Yeah. Uh hello. My name is Dyson Autism and I'm just I'm just a goober who likes to tell stories on the internet. That's D D theme. So Woo I am Bewitched Gamer. I am I I, I handle everything. I come up with the ideas and Sam makes them happen. Yeah, basically. Which is fine, uh, as we were saying, train of thought. Uh, anyways, so yeah, well, first encounters, uh, you brought a monster, and I think all of our monsters are on the same CR, which really... Yeah, they're all quarter CR, Yeah. which... Yep. Let's see how often we can make that happen. Hmm. <laughs> That's not a requirement by any means to no. everyone be the same, because we figured out how to kind of adapt for it, but... Uh, yeah. I, I would love to one day, like a certain actual play live stream that I won't say the name of, because if you're listening to us, I can almost guarantee you've at least watched an episode of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to have, like they have, where they have like a stat tracker, oh, or it's just cool. someone who's really into us and tracks all of that nonsense. Oh, Definitely hell. Um, slowly working on that. Yeah, I mean, it's surely. it's it it comes down to it's not something that we have to have, but if someone wants to, this is a hint to our listeners. If you really <laughs> would like to do that, uh, please do. And just to catch up on the people who probably missed the episode, last episode that words are hard today, um, is uh, the last person or creature that won was the storm giant, which was brought in by our very own Jack Blythe. Yup. He's big. He's way too large. He's way too uh, logical to not win the fight. I decided (laughs) that's what happened. He just was like, he assumed he was going to win at the beginning and he he manifested that. He's a crystal girly. Yeah. Yes. All (laughs) all the chakras were aligned for this one. Also, um, I am wearing the OG uh, critical success roll 20 shirt 
or, or hoodie, Ooh. not sponsored by them. Although that is an idea since we are using their platform a lot. Um, <laughs> not sponsored by them <laughs> yet. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, as you guys could hear as I muffled my voice when I raised it. <laughs> for those listening at home, you can't see us. So for all you know, I'm doing a very silly dance. If you want to imagine me pirouetting this entire time, I will get dizzy. But uh, yeah, that's what happens if you, deci- if you decide. Use your imagination. This is a game of imagination after all. Yeah. The whole game is RP. So anything you do is supposed to be RP roleplay. And I forgot to mention oh, no. for those for that aren't totally sure of CR, CR means the challenge rating of the monster. That is the difficulty level of the monster, just to catch some folk out there not quite familiar with the lingo. Yeah, if you're new and you're using us to uh kind of decide on how you're going to play this game, I'm insanely honored trust me believe me i'm so honored for that um the idea of this show kind of did come to mind as a like man i wish i had that resource so i'm just gonna make that resource now Heck yeah it's all about like your imagination is there's no limits to it except for you so keep that in mind that whatever you believe you can do you could definitely do it it's called adding flavor to it as we say uh so rule of cool yeah there's the rule of cool so if you you and your dungeon master or if you are the dungeon master and your player asks hey dm can i just do like a backflip off of this cow just for giggles and whatnot and you're just like you know what sure but also roll your acrobatics just to yeah. see if you make it. Let's see how badly you do this backflip. So just stuff like that. If you're wanting to create a ninja, boom, monk, and whatever else that you want to use. I don't know. Rogue, whatever. Second story work. You can multi-class, and then you would get your your ninja probably a little quicker. Assassination uh, for the subclass for level 3 rogue is really good. Or assassinator. Assassin? There. That. <laughs> But what we're really here for, of course, is the monsters, not the uh, classes. That may- Maybe that happens next season. And if you want to use less of your imagination and see what we're actually up to, uh, you can always subscribe to the Patreon. The videos of our recording sessions, possibly the full unedited version of episodes, so you get us babbling on and making each other laugh with terrible jokes and uh, any of that... It'll also have the battles that you don't get to hear in the show. You hear us describe it at the end of the show. Uh, But we do actually do an entire actual battle with our monsters. And we do record that. We do use Roll20 and Sam designs our wonderful arenas every time. So when you hear us describing those arenas, we are describing Sam's work you can use that. You can see those arenas. You can hear us go through the battle if that's what you... Like, some people love the number crunching. And we're trying to keep it pithy, so we don't put that in there. Otherwise, our episodes would be, like, two hours long. But, uh, but if you we were do on keep... a drive of two hours long, say... Yeah, like if you're going like... on a road trip, 
You yeah. can always subscribe to the Patreon. There's a level for that, so you can hear those things. Or if you just really like those numbers, you want to be that person who makes the Monster Mash stat blocks that have been that keep track of everything we do in every episode. You can look it up. You can read how we did it. You can do all of that. It'll be great. Point is of the Patreon so, that we encourage you to subscribe is that you'll get a lot of exclusive access to what we are doing behind the scenes you'll be able to reach out to us in the patreon and say hey here's an idea for the next type of monster or theme that we would like to see and you'll get to see the builds or monsters that are going to be coming up uh, along with that theme and that if there will take some suggestions that people have later on down the road along with you'll have access to the two hour long videos and the maps that you'll see that are created or you'll be able to see the uh, battle itself from the maps and we'll be able to respond to you and give you some information and whatnot and go from there we'll also have a discord set up eventually for you to go ahead and join that and interact with us more the absolute barest minimum that you're going to be able to get on Patreon is access to a donor's lounge in our Discord where you'll have a bit more input. It'll be not everyone who listens and works on any of Long-Eared Productions shows. It'll be just those people that are helping us make these shows, helping us have a budget to make this. So you'll be able to give input, get input, hang out with other people who like our stuff as much as you do. It'll be great. Like, that includes us, because we really like our stuff. So, yeah. of, of course, we'll be there. You can talk to us. You can talk to Dice. So, I mean, you can already kind of talk to him on his uh, own Discord if you follow and find that from him. Maybe you'll but... get faster direct access, though, too. Yeah. yeah. Because it's yeah, a different definitely. outlet. Of but messaging. this uh, this uh, this one you can already you can already find dice. But this one it'll be dice in mode to talk about long-eared stuff that he's doing with us, including this show and possibly others in the future. Yeah, because I'm working on a few stuff for them and everything. I'm super excited. So tune in for that. Yeah. All right. And so Jack, I heard that you brought what was it again? Remind us. I brought the Kenku because I always do, and I love him very much. Our feathery foe and friend. <laughs> My Willem de friend. Uh, he, I mean, of course, it's a hominid crow. I love crows. They're insanely interesting creatures. And now we've given one thumbs. That sounds like a terrible and great idea. <laughs> All right. I mean... Crows are smart. We gave if you give them thumbs, they'll take over the world. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> Granted, to balance this, a an ancient god took away their wings, so because flies they got thumbs, OP. <laughs> they got thumbs, but uh, they lost their ability to fly unless you, as the DM, give it wizardry, which is a thing that you can do. You can give these things magic. It raises the CR, so ours isn't going to have the magic. But you can give them magic, at which point they will be able to cast fly, and they are then unstoppable because they have thumbs and flight, and so, so lay now, waste to the gods. 
I have a question in terms of this. Is that uh, is the Kenku a solitary creature, or it does it go oh, in no, groups? Oh no, they well they hang out in murders because they're crows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, they're typically best. They're typically most useful in groups. Uh, while they don't have a pack tactic or anything like that, uh, they do kind of play off of each other very well with their mimicry and whatnot, setting up ambushes. Because, uh, uh, okay, imagine, here's your setting. You're in Waterdeep. You're walking along the streets, and you hear a baby crying down a dark alleyway. Now, your first instinct is, I shouldn't go down dark alleyways because dark alleyways are dangerous, but there's a baby crying. And babies really shouldn't go down dark alleyways because dark alleyways are dangerous. So, of course, you have to go save the baby because you're the hero. You're, you're a hero, and you go down, and there's not a baby. There's just a crow who is now stabbing you in the kidney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. Like, that's how they work. It's they typically have short swords, uh, maybe a short bow in the stat block for them, which you can find on page 194 of the fifth edition monster manual. They have a short bow and a short sword. So as far as equipment goes, pretty standard stuff, uh, giving it an armor class of 13. It doesn't say natural armor. So I'm assuming it's probably just whatever they could cobble together. So maybe Since they leather don't armor. Have, yeah, possibly like a leather armor or like they found someone's motorcycle jacket, you know, like <laughs> pretty basic stuff. Uh, not not shabby by any means, especially for a first encounter, but uh, not the best they could possibly attain. Mm-hmm. So like as far as equipment goes, that's... It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good setup. It's also, uh, it's not just in the monster manual, but it is also a player character that you can run just for those that are curious. That is, that is true, though. We don't typically, uh, maybe a later episode, maybe a later episode we tell you which class is, uh, class or player race or what have you is the most deadly. That's another time. That that's yeah. a whole nother season or show itself probably. That's of combinations. Well, there's see, a lot of I could see it characters. being a I could see it being a small series maybe next season if we do well this season. Doing a uh since we are monster mash doing monstrous races uh as players, we just make fighters at level that is the monstrous races. <laughs> yeah. And what are the actual stats of the Kenku from the Monster Manual? So the Monster Manual's actual stats give him a strength of plus zero, a dex of plus three, a con of plus zero, an intelligence of plus zero, a wisdom of plus zero, and a charisma of plus zero. Uh, So he's not very much of anything other than dexterous, because, I mean, a plus three is pretty dang good. Uh, but hey, his deception is a plus four, his perception is a plus two, and his stealth is a plus five. So, mm-hmm. again, ambush creature. It's here to see you f- before you see it hide and then trick you. That's, a, that's okay. his main tactic. 
It's uh, its armor class comes to 13, as I said, from the equipment, and uh, hit points are, is actually the same number, oddly, which I believe is a little bit higher than average for a quarter CR. I believe the average is around 7 for hit yes. points. Yeah, so it's almost twice the amount. Yes, it's uh, he, he's pretty significant. He, he can take a few hits, though he'll probably run before he gets too close. <laughs> Gotta go set up a new ambush. They won't just stand and fight. They're not completely proud creatures. Exactly. Once it gets down to, like, what, two? They'll probably head out? <laughs> exactly. It is an ambush creature. In fact, it actually has a stat specifically for that in terms of tactics. Ambusher, in the first round of combat, the Kenku has advantage on attack rolls against any creature it's surprised. Ooh! So if you can, nice. if you can drop them into combat and get the, get the drop on them, I mean, it has advantage, all, like, right away. On that first round, of course, but still. Just leading, leaning really heavily into that ambushing sort of tactics. And to get that ambush, it does have mimicry, which takes a DC 14 wisdom insight check to make sure that the sounds you're hearing are, in fact, not a baby in a dark alleyway for some reason which it i mean 15 is the average for like kind of hard but not impossible at all sort of thing and it's a little bit lower than that so it especially for level one that's going to be a bit difficult if the wrong if the barbarian decides he wants to go look into it and not the <laughs> uh druid yeah Definitely. So, what would you rate this as, dice for your the was it which one are we rating first? Uh, tactics, it, I believe. Tactics. Okay. Tactics. I I would definitely give this this a uh, a four because it's all about surprise, and we all know as like element of surprise is very useful in D and D, and because you get a lot of cool extra stuff, and I think that just factor in just a whole element of surprise, really good factor with it. Okay. I would give this probably a five in terms of its rating because um, when you think about surprise rounds, those are very powerful. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're able to get your first game. attacks off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Early game, you could easily just end a combat in a surprise round. Just think about that. Yeah. Is that if you can, are able to go stab, stab, stab really fast. Um, that's one round, the surprise round. Um, then you're probably dwindled them down to half, depending on how many monsters are surprised, like surprising that creature or that group of creatures. Um, so if you have all of the all of the the Kenku in their murder, is that one's behind you one's on your right one's on your left one's in front of you one's the making the baby cry somewhere elsewhere i don't know um and and, and uh, they come through uh i i'm i'm just explaining jack's case further basically <laughs> for him is yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's a good you know surprise rounds are very powerful so getting the ambusher ability first and also talking about its creature feature being the mimicry in there we'll get to that in the moment for rating it but just the tactics of being able to get that surprise round off 
that's that's so scary and powerful. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, the uh, the creature feature gets given early just due to the fact that it's so important to the tactics. This one, yeah. uh, this one, the categories are pretty uh, interlocked. In that, yeah, like it, it's really hard to keep anything a secret as we're going through because you you need all of it. We'll just probably have to move that around in our system for <laughs> presenting it, I suppose, huh? I mean, so. we can keep it as it is. It's just every now and again you're going to get a monster where it's like its tactics are its creature feature ultimately, so it'll come up. And that seems to be the case a lot so Fair, far. Fairly often, yes. <laughs> so, all right, well, um, what terrain do we find this in? I mean, really, you can find them anywhere. I would... Personally, I would say you'd probably find him anywhere you'd find a crow, which, if you've been outside, um, you know is most oh, yeah. places. There's a lot in my area. There, uh, yeah. There's several. One of them escorted me from my car to my door, like three weeks ago. It was hilarious. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like I got out and he was like, "Come on, let's go," <laughs> and just kind of hopped along up to the doorway and was like, "All right." Go inside. Get out of my face now. <laughs> That's actually really cool because in some ways, like, uh, you know, it, it's a sign, kind of. You know, it so it shows that that one cares about you he and they never see it again. He either cares about me or he just really wanted me to get inside so he could go back to eating the Cheetos uh, unaccosted. Because <laughs> there was a little bag of Cheetos that I think he had opened personally. It was just like, all right, go away. These are mine. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's funny. I can see that. So anywhere, a lot I, of them. You say it's a. A lot of them tend to make homes in cities. They make little gangs that hang out in the back alleys or the rooftops or what have you. Mm-hmm. So imagine Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, except they're crow people and not tortoises that have been mislabeled <laughs> as turtles. Um, that would be terrifying, and I would love to watch that. So I mean they. They hang out there. They could be out in the fields somewhere, hiding among the tall grass, because they're not tall exactly. <laughs> so the yeah. only place I couldn't see them being is in a, like, snowy biome or the ocean. The ocean, probably not, but I could see a snowy realm. I mean, mm. like, think about it. Crows and ravens are often associated with, like, Norse culture pretty heavily and that's mm-hmm. a very snowy region like winters get harsh and they're most often associated with that harsh winter time as that is pretty since fair. they are carrion birds they like they're they're gonna scavenge so when mm-hmm. everyone else goes away or goes to bed there they are so i could see them out in the snow i, I do believe you're probably right unless they decide to make a pirate gang which <laughs> um i mean it isn't unheard of Oh, that would actually right. be really cool. A little, like, scavenger gang of pirates. Like, they they take on ships that they can, from a good distance, look at and go, like, yeah, we can take them. But, like, <laughs> for the most part, oh, they just wait for you to, like, oh, no, there's a... Oh, no, Blackbeard took your ship down and, like, took the good, good well, stuff. Well, then have you and... heard the Black Claw? I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Gotcha. It was just like, okay, Blackbeard took your ship down and like, oh, your sails are all torn up. No, I mean, yeah, he took the good stuff, but he did leave you with something. 
we could have that though. You're pretty defenseless now. And so that just like scavenger pirates insult to injury. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely make a little pirate crew of Kenku that would name their ship the insult. <laughs> just they rock up like the encounters with them happen exclusively after like big naval battles and then they just show up and like, hello <laughs> before you can get your long rest in to heal up or anything. <laughs> That's just being, uh, yeah, yep, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. So yeah, they could be found so, most places, and there, there's probably an argument you could make for anywhere that you think they probably wouldn't be. You could probably figure out a way to make them there, but ultimately, like, in the cities is going to be a pretty big bread and butter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass it on to Dice to let him do his rating, because that seems to be the best way right. to... I'm, I'm definitely going to give this a five, because it seems like Kankus are pretty freaking adaptable, and I think it comes down to it, that's just like, heck yeah, because you never know when a Kanku is going to show up. These, these guys are just going to be... They're almost going to be like cockroaches. There's always going to be one. Mm-hmm. Goblins yeah, with beaks. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and less language. I wouldn't say that they're the cockroaches of the world, though, or anything like that. They are definitely around, but goblins. It's goblins versus kobolds usually. That's usually where the debate is. Yeah, I wouldn't call it. But we'll get into those. (laughs) These are the pigeons of Waterdeep. Yeah, they've been brought here. They were uh, domesticated at one point and then pushed to the edge of society, and so they're just around. And they're they're not going to let you forget about that. Mm Hmm. All right, well, um, I have the numbers so far, but carry on. So their fear factor, I mean, as I described earlier, the that uh, dark alleyway, or say you're not too far from town yet, like you've, you've, uh, meet at a, you've met at a tavern, been given your first thing, and they send you off into the mountains, and right at the foothills, you're maybe a day out of town. Right in those foothills, you hear there's a little cave, and uh, you hear someone calling for help. In you go. There's no one in danger, but there is a knife in your kidney. Mm -hmm. And four birds who have all decided that they're going to make it your problem. Yeah. Like, that's... I mean, it would... Maybe not, like, full-on terror, but it would make you jump as an early party starting out it's it's not going to be a great time for you yeah lots of trust issues yeah, they get that they get that uh that drop on you and it will affect how you play at least the next few sessions you're going to hear i call for help okay so i cast silence and the like you're going to have that uh are you sure moment for a while mm-hmm. because well someone was I, like we were being heroes and then we were punished for it Mm-hmm. Because not everybody is a damsel in distress. That's exactly. the lesson you want to teach. You get that lesson real early, and that's going to affect them for a while. So I think, like, mm-hmm. there's that yeah. fear. I don't think it's a terror fear, but there is definite fear there. Okay. Dice? Uh, Your rating? Yeah. Uh, do, I, do I give my rating, or do I introduce my... my... Uh, the rating. Your we, rating. We haven't... <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> oh, false! I'm so sorry. God dang it! 
right. All right. I will say I will going to give them a a three because they are kind of like easy to get the you're, they're pretty sneaky and stuff but it's also like a murderous kanku that's only has like a few hit points so it's not entirely fearful but it does have like that effect of like it can really mess with your head and stuff mm-hmm. yeah so um give it a four just to put it in, in a nice little happy medium i don't think we're ever gonna probably see like a two or a one threat so far and, and of course yeah. the creature feature is it's mimicry it is the thing that makes it what it is if you can get one on your side it can mimic for you it can uh it can mimic handwriting and whatnot but the sounds are its bread and butter of course it and it mimics anything with a dc of 14 to insight past it like that's really difficult early game which is what we're focused on. We're focused on that early game encounter. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a solid feature to have. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Dice, what do you think? Because I'm gonna keep going this cycle. I will put mine last. <laughs> okay, I really think it's a pretty dope thing. I, I'm definitely gonna give it a five over here. Okay. Yeah, uh, if it so I like that it's able to be discerned at least. It's a slight medium check in between uh, for the DC being a DC fortune wisdom or insight check for it. So giving the players an opportunity to be like, hey, that's not what that actually is. Uh, so I, I would say probably a four for it because it's able to be beat. Not like oh, it's hard, but not hard to do. And upon the math gods doing their math here, which took a good minute of thinking very hard about the statistics (laughs) and the logistics, (laughs) is that he has gotten the Kenku a 17 based on the council's rating. Also, just as a as a thing, like I've there's been some like mild corrections throughout with the show and everything. My pronouns are they them just as you know that way it's not <laughs> gotcha homie it's a public thing and i'm fully ready for the listeners to know that because i hate being called he <laughs> apologies <laughs> so uh upon doing the math and everything the kenku has gotten a grand whopping total of 17 which is a high initiative pretty high yeah that's pretty damn high. So, uh, moving forward, Dice, would you care to present your next monster? Yes. Yeah, so I picked out the classic, uh, a very classic D and D low class monster. It is the Goblin Boy. These these old suckers are just like all about like with their pack. Well, they do kind of have like a whole. They go around in packs and everything, and make sure to like take things down they take orders very sweetly and they're just like all about we're gonna stealth in hit you where it hurts and then come back right out everything there there are okay. stats are uh, eight on strength dexterity is 14 con is 10 intelligence is 10 which surprised me which i kind of thought was going to be a little bit lower but hey uh, Wisdom is 8, and Charisma is 8, so 
They're, they're, they are about average smart, so... Woo-hoo. <laughs> they okay. also have a, a plus six to their stealth, which is pretty dope, and also they have dark vision. How many <laughs> encounters have been ruined by dark vision? We all know when a player says, oh, I have dark vision, it just immediately ruins all the plans of the DM, so... That's all pretty good. And also, their nimble escape is pretty much a, a free rogue action where they can disengage, disengage or hide as a bonus action on each of its turns. So, you know what? I, I feel like that's pretty cool right there. Mm. But They're it can't dash away. It, it, no, it, it, can, it can't dash away, unfortunately. So it's only missing one of them. But disengage and hide for a 1-4 CR monster, I'd say that's pretty good. Mm. They're armored... So. Their armor class is a 15 because they got a leather armor and a shield, so woo. And they're they're not really like tough. They they got about a seven hit point, so a, a blow win could definitely hurt them. But I, I feel like they're more kind of like well trained of like long range attacks and just to like get them on your herd. Okay. What yeah. else do we got? Is it, where's um, that? Well, so, they can move about. Yes? I was going to say, so tactics-wise, would you say they're ambushers or, like, almost scavengery, Or were they I, just I built was... by the gods of D&D to be slaughtered wholesale? Uh, when, you look, when you look at the HP, it probably just, like, you slaughter wholesale. But I would definitely say these guys are ambushers. These guys are definitely going off taking orders from fellow hobgoblins and just, like, striking it down where it hurts. Okay. Let's see. Okay. So, what terrain would we... Like, oh, we haven't rated their tactics yet. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta get those numbers yeah, in there. Yeah, I was uh, so ready to just move on. I was like, yep, they're goblins. Bad figures. Tactics, I, I can't... <laughs> They don't have a whole lot that, like, makes them better ambushers than something else. It's just, it's a, their tactics seem more out of a necessity than yeah. out of, like, being particularly good at it. It's, they, if they don't ambush, they are fodder. So I, yeah. I'm very sorry, I gotta give it a two. <laughs> That, oh, that is, you that proved is me good. wrong. Oh, it is all good. I will take I can, it. I, I can't. Tactically, goblins aren't great. <laughs> it, okay. No. I will say, <laughs> in his defense, just a little bit, because I always rush the, the person's defense first, is that goblins are also very versatile. Yes. Uh, they they live in many places, but that's terrain. No, that's uh, a different. We'll that <laughs> it's a different rating. We're uh, just talking about their but, tactics. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going around <laughs> in circles. I know. Shoot me in the foot. I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, so with it, they, they can either be up close if they're decently armored, because they can also be spellcasters even if they wanted to be. We we do get goblin shamans as well. Or we but get are we do are we using goblin shamans today? That's the other yeah. thing you gotta apparently like, not. <laughs> that's the other thing you gotta make sure that we like. Sure, you can add all kinds of cool stuff to things, but mm -hmm. 
with the monster intrinsically that we're using. You have like you can't give a rating They're for something able to that be we don't long have. Long range or up close is what I'm seeing. True. Yeah, uh, but it's more like they go in and they do pew pew pew, or, or like in this case, thwack thwack with the the short bow. That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's staring blatantly in my face. The, or they can run up, go stab, stab, get away, but they can't yeah. run away, which is really interesting. Yeah, they can disengage, which is, like, useful, but for what equates to fantasy drive-bys, they, they don't have a whole lot of running <laughs> that they can do. I will be generous and give it a three, I think. Okay. Is... Well, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's that number. Okay, so moving on to where the heck do we find these suckers? All right, so you would find these guys in uh, forest, grassland, hill, and the ever-so-inclusive Underdark. So, uh... Pretty much anywhere on your journey that you will find these guys out there. Okay. You won't, you won't really find them in the cities, but they are a playable race for everything. And you can find these goblin stats under the basic rules at page 138. So, ye. 138 of? Of the monster manual. Nah, that's bad. important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's been a lot of books. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Ye. I mean terrain what like where they're gonna be that that's that's truly versatile and not even a necessity you could you can and do find goblins in pretty much every environment somehow yeah whether it be like they're in the city because they live in the sewers or you're 17 days out of town between two towns that are 20 days and guess what goblin <laughs> I mean, like, and ultimately, no matter what, you can find the mine goblin. <laughs> God dang it. There's <laughs> the joke. Yup. <laughs> I'm not giving you the punchline. You can figure it out yourselves, listeners. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At least I pointed out that there is the joke. <laughs> but yeah, like, that... I mean, that's a five. That's no matter where you are, you can always start your campaign with a goblin. Mm-hmm. Woo! Any cave, anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Uh, What's that uh, in the distance? Oh, an odd shape. You keep traveling, thinking nothing of it. It is, in fact, a goblin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you attempt to push the goblin. You roll in at one. You gently caress his back. The goblin, the goblin is, is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it, again, it's that age-old debate of goblin versus kobold. I think goblin plays a huge role into saying yes, because it, it's one of the first monsters going back into the startup of D&D. Of course. And as well. And the reason for the whole debate of goblin versus kobold is, of course, because goblin, like phonetically or not phonetically, linguistically comes from kobold, because there was mm-hmm. creatures called kobolds, and then German uh, continued on past that point, and so it became uh, kobold, kobolded, 
Kobolin, Goblin, and then you got goblins. Mm. So it's it's uh, etymology. They are the same creature etymologically, but uh, D&D has created tiny dragon men for the progenitor of the name of Goblin. Yep. So, I, I, you know, overall, I think we all agree that it's probably a five somewhere in there. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. Their terrain's great. Their versatility of where they are is fantastic. Yeah. So, what else do we got here? What, is, what makes them scary? Because hmm? sometimes you just want to punt a goblin across the room. <laughs> With their uh, creature feature, I would say Nimble Escape is their creature feature. They don't really have a lot of things. These are basic tutorial monsters. <laughs> what makes them scary is the anti-Semitism that has been ascribed to the goblin. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> There's that. And we deserve good goblin representation. We deserve good goblin representation. Well, we just gotta know, like, how are we supposed to represent them if we need to know, like, we need to know what makes them scary, sir. <laughs> yeah. The, re well, the good so... representation is don't make them terrible caricatures of Jewish people. Yes. The... <laughs> um, Looking um... at you, author of the Wizard Boy books. Yes, uh, and a person who is freckled. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> homeless, well, the homeless uh, person with a skin condition? Yes, yes, that person. Oh, God. Uh, my, oh, well, I, I, I can't really defend my boys here. There's not really anything there. <laughs> there well, there, there is their lair. They they do have, like, a lair that they really have, like, made their home. So if you go into their lair, they're going to set up a whole bunch of booby traps and everything. These guys are very persnickety when it comes to this. Okay. I mean, yes. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to give them a one because it is, like, especially if the party is actually being uh, in character. And like they're level ones, they rock up, and there's six goblins there. That's not unscary, but it's not um, a trauma that your ranger is going to carry for the rest of the campaign because there were some goblins there. More than likely, almost definitely, a first-time ranger is might have goblin as its favorite thing, and it's like, oh no. They know, and they're a little bit afraid of that because, like, oh, maybe they're angry at me for killing their mom or something. But, like, mm -hmm. it's not, I'm now afraid, and anything that even resembles a goblin is going to have that player on edge. It, They're not... They're <laughs> scary in a way, but not actually scary. <laughs> So what would you say that they are, Jack? It's like, uh, give, give us the number. Give us the final count. Uh, <laughs> uh, hit, me with, hit me with that little number. I know you're going to hit it. It's got to <laughs> be a two. I'm sorry. I, I will, uh, it's all good. It's all good. I, I will take it. Okay. Uh, I, I know that there's actually a couple ways you could make them quote-unquote scary. Uh, is that... Uh, Strength in numbers. Yes. True, true. 
which you kind of hinted on a little bit, Dice, but not exactly. They are conniving in some ways where they will set up traps. They are slightly clever. Slightly. So, example is that when I was running a campaign, I had them go into a goblin cave. But they weren't, like, aggressive. It was only two goblins. But uh, they created this noisemaker. It was basically, like, a stack of bones. Very particularly set. And if the player came over and even just, like, touched it, it would fall over and make a clattering noise. So it was, was it a trap or were the goblins just playing Jenga before the players got in? <laughs> <laughs> it was to, like, basically make them feel on edge without, co- like, too much consequence to it. It was introducing with the that there's a possibility something bad might happen, but it's okay if it doesn't happen. So it was set for really, really, really new players. I love the idea of uh, goblins labeling their traps. Um, oh yeah. Both so that oh, they yeah. don't forget where it's at, and also to like trick the outsiders, but they're not very bright. So it's just like a sign right in front of a very obvious snare trap. That's like. Definitely not a trap. Put your foot here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Just like uh, a, a bear trap laying in the middle of a hallway that says like totally safe. Press the button. <laughs> so with that, I would give it a three just because Oof. the thought of strengths and strength and numbers Maybe I'm being too nice about it, but if you're knowing that you're going to create more, like, goblins don't just come by themselves. Yeah. And we'll see this in this combat in particular. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So there's a, you know, there's that for it and whatnot. And, okay. So, with that, what is the other section that we need to move Creature on to? Creature feature. Ah. Well, uh, huh. I don't know about that one. Does it, <laughs> do goblins have a feature? Or are they just the funny-shaped things that do, do the that stabbing? The... They're just the funny-shaped things and all that stuff, so... Uh... <laughs> like, they're a classic I... for a reason, but... I can't. Yeah. <laughs> you I could mean, say dark vision. Dark, yeah, dark vision. Uh, stealth plus six. Uh, they could speak in common and goblin, so uh, that's pretty cool. They're sneaky. But I think what you're really see. wanting okay. to get. Yeah, I mean, early on, not a whole lot has dark vision. Yeah, unless you're an elf. Most of the parties usually run elves. Yeah. Or at least somebody fair. does. Yeah, I mean. You enter a dark cave. I have dark vision. Um, <laughs> yep. But so do the goblins, and that's the important thing here. I'm I meant like not a whole lot of monsters have dark vision yeah. early on, so it's so like I I do have to give you that is a good thing to throw at your party of elves who all have dark vision and are very proud of that fact because you know not a lot of other things do. So they're going to be going in going like, haha, we'll get the drop on them. But they, they can see you. They know you're there. Yeah. So? so I'd, I'd give that a, f- a four. <laughs> Very right, generous. 
What? It's okay. really good. Like, I'm, I'm also just imagining the party sitting there doing the like, <laughs> and they're being quiet, but they're not being like hiding as they're setting up their trap against the goblins and the goblins are like hiding and just watching them do it. Like, do they, do they know we can see them? No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's just like six goblin, six goblins right on the edge of, uh, like just the edge of the cave, looking down at them. Like, so they, uh... <laughs> yeah, you know the goblin scout that runs off and goes tells the others and exactly. whatnot, and yeah, uh, the, which I mean, they so that brings us to something that Dice did mention, like I think is its creature feature. Not sure, but the nimble escape. So again, the goblin can take the disengage or hide action as a bonus action on each of its turns. So the reason why the stealth is so high for a goblin, a couple of things. It has dark vision. It can it like hide really well hence the stealth with its nimble escape feature that so, is true so it can get it can get out of there if it needs to and like that's why it doesn't have the dash because it's for an action to get out of the fight not to run all the way mm-hmm. yeah. which i mean it could oh now you're talking i want to change my tactics number go ahead i'm gonna up that to a three <laughs> Because now I'm thinking about if it has that disengage as bonus action, it can do, like, little touches, essentially. Where it just jumps into range, pokes you, jumps back out. Like that... Yeah, I didn't think about the nimble escape. Uh, It does have some tactic (laughs) that it can use. (laughs) You're like, huh, hmm. Like, now yeah. that you bring that up, but yeah, creature feature wise, I, it, when used properly, I'd give it a four, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. a great little feature with the nimble escape. You just gotta do a good setup for it. Yeah, you is get, the biggest thing. If it no, if it has the terrain to use that in, that that could actually be really really useful. Okay. So with uh, we're getting numbers back a little bit faster this time from the math gods is that they are saying that Dice's initiative for his goblet is a 14. It's not bad. Double digits. Yeah, 14 for your initiative, sir. Very nice. Yeah. That's pretty good, considering. If you're thinking about it on a roll, uh, uh, like, not, like a dice of uh, for a d20, is that you've got a 0.5% chance every time for rolling a dice. But not, uh, not mentioning no, your modifier. A, the d20 has a 5% chance of any given number, not 0.5. Yeah. Yes. For some reason, I was literally just thinking... You kind of see it. Anyways. I I know what you meant, but... (laughs) Wait, wait. Yeah. Oopsie. Sorry. One moment. Anyway. um, So, my creature is also a classic. 
that being the kobold. Ah, that explains the uh, multiple mentions of the kobold versus goblin debate. Yes, but like, how can we not have these monsters in here? Of course. For a first encounter, don't bring anything else <laughs> to the table. Except the kenku, because they're great. Okay, but <laughs> you can feather right off. <laughs> okay, so the kobold is a small humanoid creature that is typically lawful evil. It's our class is 12. It's got very low hit points. It's a uh, 5, which is 2d6 minus 2. Oof. Minus 2? Yeah. Dang. Oh, so God. I'd like to point out, their CR, though, is 1 eighth. Oh. Oh, I thought so, we all had a quarter. Mm-hmm. Oh. I looked it up just to make sure. So you're coming in with two of them to mm-hmm. match up with the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but like I thought that you guys, we would all have like multiples of these for some reason in my head. That's all because good. Because nope. they all are supposed to come in packs or murders. I mean, typically, yeah. I mean, we could. Do we want to mm-hmm. up it so that it's all matched to a CR of one? I mean, that would make sense, right? Yeah. Sure. But that would yeah. be a long combat. Yeah. Like, it'll it'll true. take a while, but. So, moving into its stat block, the strength is a 7, which is a negative 2 in, in its modifier. The dex is a 15, 1, 5, which is a plus 2 in its modifier. Its constitution is a 9, which is a negative 1. Its intelligence is an 8, which is a negative 1. Its wisdom is a 7, which is a negative 2. Its charisma is an eight, which is also a negative one. It's little racial abilities and whatnot. It's got dark vision as well of 60 feet. It's got a passive perception of eight. Its languages are common and draconic. Its challenging is a one eighth, which is uh, 25 XP if you're going based off of XP. Um... Then moving into its kind of like abilities and whatnot, but it's, it's, actually I'll hold on to those. <laughs> so for the tactics of it, it does come in groups. That That's kind of be kind of like the theme that we've got going on for first encounters. Strike the numbers. So it carries a dagger and a sling. So very kind of caveman-esque moment with it being the sling, you know, you, you wind it up and you go thwack with a with a pebble or rock. I mean, so most of its ammo is going to be around it. Real world uh, slings are insane. The whole like David and yeah. Goliath story seems ridiculous when you think about it by like our standards. But then when you remember that like a skilled sling user, it is not uncommon for them to just cave in people's heads. Like that becomes a like, oh, it's impressive because the one guy was so much bigger. But also like that's just what slings do. Like, that's not. <laughs> so, uh, the swing is a ranged weapon attack. It does plus four to hit. It reaches 30 over 120 feet. And it's obviously it's one target. It does a 1d4 plus two in bludgeoning damage. So, if you got a barbarian raging, it's not going to really do much. But I digress. And then you have the dagger, which is a plus four to hit. Reaches five feet. 
and then it says 1d4 plus 2 to hit and piercing damage. So a racial ability that kobolds have, and I'm sure a lot of people already know this, is that it has sunlight sensitivity. Mm. So while in sunlight, the kobold has disadvantage on attack rolls, as well as on their wisdom or aka perception checks that rely on sight. So that doesn't mean hearing. That doesn't mean smell. But the the eyeballs, the eyeballs, they get blinded by the light. Oh, okay, somewhat. So, uh, so part of their tactics is an absolute downside. <laughs> yes, but also, if you go into a cave, you're kind of screwed. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that is also true. I... So, you will not find them out in the broad daylight or ocean, where there's a lot of light. But maybe in the holes of things, slithering around, doing that dragon tongue thing that dragon snakes don't do. <laughs> yeah and then uh the, so like you could probably find them in jungles because it's damp it's kind of dark because there's a lot of foliage uh but mostly mo you'll probably see them at night slinking around looking for something to take they're not much of a scavenger type they're more of a overwhelm you type so tactically uh they're going to be doing that strength in numbers, probably ambushing, I'm guessing. Maybe, but they don't get advantage on ambushing. No, but, I mean, it. it's but more... But if you're surrounded. Yeah, it's, it's less of a, like, they get advantage and more of just a, like, tactically speaking, with their strengths, it would make the most sense to. Mm -hmm. And not even out of a necessity, it's just we're pretty good at it <laughs> Mhm. Mm yeah so I will give it up now is that their creature feature is their pack tactics pack tactics is broken sometimes I swear oh yeah oh yeah so the kobold has advantage on an attack roll against the creature if at least one of the kobold's allies is within five feet of the creature and the ally isn't incapacitated so it doesn't have to just be a kobold. But someone there on the same side. Somebody there. that's their friend. So yeah, Correct. I mean, yeah, they're going to they're going to either do like a backstabby sort of thing or an ambush. Which Yeah. seems to be a running theme of first encounters. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, and I mean with the pack tactics as part of their tactics. Uh, it's kind of a guaranteed hit, almost. Yeah. Almost. Not it's, saying it's it pretty is. Good, pretty good chances. So I'd, I'd hit that with like a, a four. Yeah, that, that seems about right. What do you think, Dice? Uh, I would definitely give it a four. I, I definitely think that really fits them pretty well. Okay. Easy. Nice. All right. Okay, so moving on to its terrain, what did you guys think about that? I mean, it is quite limited. It's got to have yeah. it's got to have somewhere where it can stay in the dark um to be effective. It's like it, it's not going to want it's it's that uh age-old issue of you don't want to limit yourself and if there's a significant handicap, you're not going to 
go into that. It, Daleks aren't going to go to Stairworld. You know, like... So I, it's pretty limited. You're going to find them in cave, for the most part, or nighttime near a cave so that it has somewhere to go when it's not nighttime. So that... Two, just for lack of versatility. Yeah, I was going to say two as well. Okay, understandable. If you, go, if you go out into the plains, you just can't have a kobold effectively. Yeah. Unless they're burrowing. Yeah, unless they're... Oh. <laughs> Fairy dog kobolds. Yeah, like, think about that. You can change it up. You could, but you'd have to come up with some pretty big justifications to mm -hmm. make it happen so it's it's mm -hmm. got to be a two it's pretty low okay so their fear factor their spookiness hmm now hmm. i do think it would be pretty scary especially considering you're playing a game called dungeons and dragons to be like, yeah. because like a city would yeah, work really it's well. it's a dragon. A city works yeah. really well for kobolds because you have the like sewers or aqueducts or what have you for them to stay in during the day and then they can come out and kind of like raccoon it up at night. Mm -hmm. Which I do love the idea of kobolds being the like raccoons of the world. That's kind of hilarious. <laughs> um, and it would be kind of spooky like early on in the adventure, uh, they uh, decide, like, oh, we need to meet so-and-so after dark, and they're moving around, and it's just, like, they take the wrong alleyway, and suddenly, like, five kobolds just <laughs> in an alleyway and get them. Like, that would, that would mess you up, especially if you're a very new player and you don't know what these things are. It's just these dragon-looking guys. Yeah, you would think they're dragons. These little little dragon dudes with loincloths swarming you in the in a back alley. That's pretty scary. I'd say... So what are you feeling? I, I'm feeling a four. Four? Hmm, very generous. I feel like Dice is going to hit me with a lower number. <laughs> well, no, Dice comes out of the gate with, with a one. <laughs> yeah, just get my revenge on you guys. No, I feel like a five is pretty much fitting with this kind of category, you know? Interesting. You have proven me wrong, sir. Okay. I'm, I'm a generous man. Okay. Alright, then move it on to... What is it? Their creature feature. Path tactics. Uh, remind me of the description of that one yeah, again? I will, yeah. The kobold has advantage on an attack roll against a creature if at least one of the kobold's allies is within five feet of the creature and the ally isn't incapacitated. And everything they have is a D4, right? For Indeed. damage. Yes. I mean, considering it's early game, no one has much of anything to use yet. Advantage is incredibly powerful to give anything advantage to hit. And I mean, if you have a wizard in the party, that D4 alone, like if the wizard stepped on it, he might die. So yeah, you, you could take a wizard down pretty quick. Yeah. With pack tactics, especially if there's like four of them. 
And any somewhat intelligent creature that is able to strategize, such as using pack tactics, I'd say, seeing, knowing that that it's like the kobolds should be like, that guy, caster, magic. <laughs> that dude's Get wearing him. a bathrobe. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's that versus you, you fighting a, a dog or something that's not yeah. going to exactly know. And there's that intimidation so gotta... factor in, like, they they would recognize, like, that one doesn't have armor. If we beat him up, everyone else might be afraid because we killed one of them. Which gives us that advantage. So, like, yeah, for sure. Like, Pack Tactics is a five for early game. That's... Getting advantage oh, on yeah. something early game is so good. Okay. Gotta Some drop Chris, Chris 5 for pack tag because it is such a very good skill and it will scare the pants off any early level 1 players because then they're just like, oh crap, these things can actually team up together and deal with it instead of like coming at us with mobs and stuff, you know? Exactly. They're, okay. they're fighting together, just not just at the same time. And also, there's probably going to be about eight of them versus four. Exactly. It's. I mean, if you're gonna have it's gonna be a whole a party game. of five, it's gonna be about eight king or eight kobold. If it's just a kobold, if it's just kobolds, so yeah, like that's yeah, that's pretty significant. So just to put that in there. Uh, the math gods have rushed to our aid in for sake of time, being that the initiative came out for the kobold 15. Hey! Ooh. Just above Dices. So we got Unless... a nice cute little spread going on here. And, and all of this talking and opinion is great, but the only thing that matters is how they fare in the arena. Hi everyone, Jack Blythe here. I'm willing to bet that scoring your D&D campaign is difficult. Getting it to meet the feeling of your world, the vibe of your party, it can be a nightmare. If only there was a way to get it all custom made. Surprise! OBP Musical Commissions is here to save your butt on that front. Whether you're the DM who wants to show off and have a campaign theme song, the bard who wants an awesome underscore for your spells, or you want to have songs sung of your party's greatness. OBP has you covered, and we have you covered as well. If you use code LONGEARS at checkout, you'll get 15% off your commission, so why not have a voice from a real musical sing your praises? obpmusical.com slash commission and use discount code LONGEARS. That's L-O-N-G-E-A-R-S for 15% off. The arena opens up. Half of it, a great cave, deep within the realms of this mountain, the rest of it leading into a forest. The Kenku set themselves up at the entrance, one of the few entrances to the cave, and begin listening. The goblins, fearing nothing, though they probably should, rush in and are dispatched quite quickly by the waiting kobold who have claimed this cave for themselves prior. Upon hearing the right noises, the Kenku start mimicking the sounds of goblins, hoping... Maybe a goblin will try to come to their aid, or perhaps a kobold will think more quarry. As the goblins have been dispatched, the kobold think that there is possibly more quarry just outside. As they come in, they've found themselves in a great bottleneck. Two of the kobold are dropped quickly. 
the remaining two scramble to readjust their strategy, possibly flanking, but are seen and taken down. The last one flees into the cave. It is followed by one of the Kenku, who dispatches it before it gets too deep, thus leading the Kenku to victory. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Monster Mash and thus bringing me to two victorious monsters that I have brought. I'm very much hoping that next episode someone comes in with something to defeat me. Uh, so I am Jack Blythe. You can find me on TikTok underneath my name and on Instagram as Witchcraft and D20s. I am Bewitched Gamer. You can find me on Twitch, YouTube, and also Facebook, amongst other uh, social media platforms. Oftentimes, I like I, I will be playing D and D or other fidget games that are, you know, sim related or, or stuff like that. Carrying on over to Dice and Autism. Hello, everybody. My name is Dice and Autism, and I tell stories in the internet. You can find me at most sites as Dice and Autism, and uh, and all the sites and everything, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz. You can find me on YouTube called the Dyson Dragon Theater Company. And uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Yee. Thank you for listening to Monster Mash. This is a production of Long-Eared Productions. Have a wonderful time, and let's find out who's the deadliest. <laughs>